Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're going to chat NWSL playoffs because the playoffs are set. We're going to go through a weekend recap and chat a little bit about how we got here. Before we take a deep dive into everything, a quick reminder... Please watch all our Attacking Third episodes, previews, recaps, interviews on YouTube. You can subscribe to our page to get notified whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third. We made it. We're here. We're back at it. How you doing Playoffs. Today, playoffs. 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 We are here for it. I am. I, I honestly cannot believe that it's October. We have the six teams that are going into the postseason. It came down to the final game day the final match on the final game day um i love how that turns out in, in the future we're going to manifest um a decision day with all the games happening at the exact same day uh just let the chaos ensue but it was a chaotic weekend um personally and then professionally in the league it was like a double double whammy because i i traveled and i got to call some of these games but um Ian, Hurricane Ian had some other plans initially. So so to start my weekend, I, I woke up to a couple emails of canceled flights and, and canceled reservations and canceled things. So the scramble to get flights, get to the studio, get on the call for these games always makes it that much more exciting. And then I'm that much more thankful at the end of it all that I was able to be there, call some games, all the prep you do all week, all year leading up to moments like this, and then to be squashed um, because of canceled plans. But I mean, that hurricane took a rip through a big part of this country. So thoughts are with so many of those affected by Hurricane Ian. Um, But in terms of the soccer, we got six final teams. We got teams clinching in the final day. It's truly exciting. And I am stoked to talk to you about it, Sandra, because I know you were at the Chicago match last night. I was at the Chicago match. You were on the call for some of these games. Um, Yeah, I know when we were doing the preview, we were – Definitely thinking about uh, we mentioned Orlando and and them you know that team had to you know make some uh, arrangements for for their travel plans uh, in light of Hurricane Ian so um, you know of course our thoughts continue to be with with those affected by by the hurricane and, and hopefully things are you know towards the latter stages of that where folks can start um, you know healing and, and and sort of growing from that but uh, in, t- in terms of of the soccer. We'll talk about Orlando a little bit more and their role in, in in this weekend. But, you know, Lisa, when we were doing the preview, I think we got to, you know, start with 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 a certain game and then we got to end with a certain game. But just to sort of give everybody some more context, just in case they they miss our preview and they're joining us now just to find out what happened that, you know, and, and I get it. Sometimes you just want to fast forward and say, you know what, I'm just going to join them and, and, and get the recap of what happened. But we talked about this in the preview. And sort of bringing it to, to the recap episode to sort of give, you know, additional context, something that we were talking about, sort of setting uh, the scene in the picture going up into this weekend. There were a number of things still at play. There were a, a, a ton of different scenarios, a lot of things on the line, depending on which club you were in that uh, upper half of the table and which club you were, maybe even on the outside mm-hmm. looking in. Going into this weekend, there were still two playoff 
spots up for grabs. And there were technically four teams or three teams in the hunt for either of those spots. Um, and then you had the shield and both first and second place still on the line. Uh, Thorns reigning the current and San Diego, technically, if they scored a, a madness of goals, were also in contention for for the shield and, and in possibility of a of first place. So a lot of stuff in, in play going into this weekend. So we had anticipated, um, you know, some pretty good matches were going to take place over over the course of the weekend. And all those things got got dusted and, and settled yeah. out. And we'll talk about how they were. But in terms of where things lie now, full official final standings of all the teams and their positions on the table. It's OL Reign, number one, taking first place and the shield. It's Portland Thorns in second place. San Diego Wave FC in third. Houston Dash in fourth. And Kansas City in fifth. And Chicago Red Stars claiming that sixth and final playoff spot. And everyone going to be watching from home. North Carolina Courage at seven. Angel City FC at eight. Racing Louisville at nine. Orlando Pride at 10. Washington Spirit at 11. And Gotham FC in 12th place. But uh, exciting times. It, it sort of feels a little bit different when you kind of see it in front of your face like that. When you're just kind of like, wow, this is uh, this is how things uh, shook out a little bit. And obviously, with the conclusion of the regular season, that also pivots attention. Yes, you're, we're pivoting our attention to the playoffs and, and what's going to happen in the postseason. But what's going to also happen now at the conclusion of the regular season is a lot of things like individual award, awards are going to be coming into play. And the first of those was also decided as well. So while something like Rookie of the Year or MVP or Defender of the Year or Goalkeeper of the Year um, – coach of the year, all that stuff gets voted on and in phases. So that will come, I'm sure at a later date as, as playoffs come closer. But the first of those individual words tends to already be decided by the time a regular season concludes. And that's the golden boot race. Alex Morgan walking away with this one, 15 goals, her first NWSL golden boot in her career. But this got really, uh, it got really close towards the uh, final stretch of the season here between some of these players. It really did. I mean, it came down to the final days. We talked about it in the preview. If Dabinia ended up getting a back-to-back hat trick, something that had <laughs> never been done before in the NWSL, that could have happened. Sophia Smith was right on the cusp heading into the weekend. She started the weekend with 12 goals, so if she scored three, she would have been in contention. She actually would have jumped Alex Morgan because assists was the tiebreaker. She ends up getting two. You can see there Alex Morgan, 15 Smith with 14 and Dabinia ends with 12, the top three right there. But I mean, a lot of prolific goal scorers this year in the NWSL. And I think, I mean, a special shout out to Alex Morgan because she notched 15 goals. She wins the golden boot at the end of this year. And she didn't even play in San Diego's final regular season match where perhaps she could have, it could have been 16 or, or 17 on that standings. So she had this golden boot in the bag before this final weekend of play. And I think that's really important to, to touch on um, because she was out due to injury. Yeah. I, uh, I, I think there were eyes on what was going to happen in this final weekend in terms of, uh, you know, the players sort of chasing this this golden boot. I think uh, Sophia Smith obviously making things interesting there, and we had talked a lot about Davinia, but with all the chaos scenarios that have kind of come into play over the weekend, we were also like, hey, like, we're not going to count out uh, Diana Ordonez. We're definitely not going to count out mm -hmm. Mal Pugh. We've seen, um, we've seen more maddening things before uh, in terms of, uh, you know, things uh, kind of shaking out for, for the golden boot and within games in general, but uh, it belongs to, to Alex Morgan in 2022. Uh, the goal that ended up sort of sinking it for her, uh, you know, came by a brace. I think it was in, in that wild four, three match against the spirit um, back in September. Mm -hmm. So she ended up getting another penalty. And uh, I think it was her only header of the season, quite frankly. That's the other thing I think that's kind of like interesting coming out of, of this golden boot race. There were um, obviously a moment of times very earlier in the season um, where uh, Morgan was converting these penalty kicks. A lot of these goals came by her left foot, I believe 12 of them off her left, uh, two off her right. And then the one goal that ended up 
sort of claiming uh, and ensuring that she got the golden boot ended up being uh, a header. So I uh, mm -hmm. thought that that was kind of uh, fun to sort of take a look at how all the goals were scored and kind of uh, shook out there. Uh, but in terms of uh, titles and, and folks taking home titles, there was also the Shields. We talked a little bit yes. about it. Um, and in terms of uh, that still being up for grabs. And of course, of course, it came down to to two teams with a bitter rivalry, the longest standing rivalry uh, in O.O. Reign and Portland Thorns. They had to take care of business, though, against against two other teams. And maybe that's kind of like how this ended up shaking out, that there was one team that didn't end up handling handling their business on uh, on the road. And, and one team did. That's honestly what it came down to. In my opinion, this was Portland Shield to lose because they were going up against a Gotham side that hadn't won a game in, in how many weeks. They hadn't been scoring goals consistently. Um, yes, they were going on the road, uh, challenging to play at Red Bull Arena against this Gotham side that truly had nothing to lose. But for, for Portland, they had already clinched the playoffs. But in order to to kind of go out with a bang in the regular season and start the playoffs on a right foot. They needed to win this game against Gotham and they didn't, they end up drawing three, three. Um, I, I mean, you can score three goals. They go up three to one over Gotham and then end up conceding two. And in my mind, that's Portland's loss. Like they, they yep. lost that game and they lost the shield. Of course, O.L. Reign then all they had to do is go out and win their match against Orlando and makes things a little bit easier for them, knowing that their rival Portland Thorns um, kind of wet the bed on their game. And then it was O.L. Reign's shield to win um, at the end of it all. And they did just that because based on how the games played out, Portland played four hours, five hours before OL rain. So Laura Harvey even talked about um, before the rain game against Orlando, they would know what they needed to do, whether it was, okay, we're playing for a number two spot or we're playing for the shield. And you could tell that the OL rain players were just so jazzed up knowing that if they got three points, they got on the board first, they held Orlando. Um, they would walk, walk away with the shield, which was clearly what happened at the end of it all. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're, we're going to definitely chat a little bit more about how that scenario uh, came to life in terms of, you know, watching a shield race between two different games, because that was the other side of this is, is the scheduling of some of these games. We were like keeping an eye on things. There were kickoffs taking place within um, just half hours of each other and and some games that were happening earlier in the day and then later in the day. Um, so how, how did we get here? How did we get to the final six teams heading into the postseason in 2022? Well, it really happened between San Diego Wave FC and North Carolina Courage. In our preview, Lisa, we definitely mentioned this as the match, as our game that was the biggest game to watch. And I think that ended up being true throughout the duration right. of this weekend. It was the it was the key to other scenarios throughout the remainder of the weekend. And we said, like, listen, whatever's going to happen between San Diego and North Carolina is going to, you know, dictate and determine some things throughout the, the remainder of the weekend. It was going to be the game uh, that made sure whether or not Sunday's match actually mattered yep. and uh, didn't disappoint a 0-0 draw. Sandra, you called it. Courage. You called the chaos. You called a draw between this it. one. You wanted the chaos. You wanted Sunday's game to matter. or You wanted there to be a little bit more excitement throughout the, yeah. the weekend. I, I loved it because I liked – the chaos, but um, I picked North Carolina. I'm still a little sad that Courage didn't get a goal in this match. They didn't get I'm the win you. based on talk about it. and how it came out. I'm bummed. I am truly bummed for North Carolina. Um, I don't have a lot of like pull in games throughout the year. <laughs> like honestly, I've watched 132 games. I've been on the call for how many of them. Yeah. I am a neutral through and through and through. And watching this San Diego Courage game. I, my heart was like with North Carolina watching. <laughs> you were like, Angel, I think I'm a little bummed out. <laughs> I list, And then even watching Angel City, Chicago, I was like, come on, Angel City, get the win. And the people around me were like, why do you care if Angel City wins? I was like, I don't care about Angel City. I want North Carolina to win. <laughs> so, um, I'm, yeah, sure I mean, you weren't, I'm sure you weren't the only one. I Listen, yeah. I think that was part of the fun of going into this weekend, especially if you are like a neutral or, you know, if you're someone who is – 
gotten introduced to to NWSL over over honestly the course of the last couple seasons. And I know with um, you know games being on on Paramount Plus and and some games being on, on Twitch available, you know, with for international viewers like. Um, you know, with the pandemic and everything, it's, it's sort of brought in a, a new wave of, uh, of audiences. And so like, you know, for, for folks who are, you know, finding themselves kind of new ish and, and, and following NWSL, like I would imagine that a weekend like this was, um, was pretty thrilling. And maybe you did find yourself like towards the end of on the final match weekend being like, yeah. I don't know, I think I really want this in this A, B or C to, to, to happen. But you know what? I liked this game. I think the scoreline, um, if you're just sort of looking at that, I, I think it just sort of doesn't tell the whole, you know, tale of the tape. I thought there were some really good moments in this game for, for either side to sort of go ahead and, and, and break through and, and, and perhaps upset the other, you know, and, you know, despite, you know, San Diego and, and the courage kind of ending out the, the match with, with a low number of attempts on target, I think it was like two or three for, for, for each side. I, I thought it was a good, we saw two teams uh, both trying to get out there and, and mm-hmm. get a result, you know, but for different purposes, you know, I think you sort of saw San Diego wave FC side, um, you know, with Casey Stoney and the coaching staff, obviously presenting some, uh, some, some game plans for, for the players and, and saying like, Hey, like you're going to want to get out there and go and perform. And we, you want to go into the playoffs on a good game. You know, you mm-hmm. want to have that momentum. And then for the courage, you kind of want to take fate into your hands and, and ensure that you are going to go ahead and 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 have your place in in the playoffs. And oh my gosh, I mean, this was really I think if I had to look at each team and maybe like point out like an MVP of the game, I'm, I'm going to like for defenders, I think. Carson Pickett had an outstanding game for North Carolina. And I thought Naomi Girma was absolutely prophetic in this game for San Diego. I just thought they had outstanding individual performances for their team. Um, I mean, Pickett at at points, you know, having a few attempts, you know, in the final third as well, you know, both um, in all phases of the game, both, both in the, in the first half and, and in the second half, um, as well. And and you just saw, even with those limited attempts on target, there was at one point Doniak had a goal through, but it was called offside with, with Jody Taylor's positioning. Um, and so, you know, you just wondered at one point if there really was ever going to be a goal, but it just, it just didn't come through, but I thought it was uh, an exciting game. It absolutely had some, yeah. some playoff energy for me. It did. And even heading into it, uh, you just touched on Naomi Gurma and how fantastic she did. When we look back to week one through five through seven through eight, we, we talked so much about Kaylin Sheridan on the San Diego side because she was keeping them in game. She was making incredible saves all over the pitch. She was the 11th player on the field joining into possession and into the attack for San Diego, getting an assist on an Alex Morgan goal. And as the season progressed, we saw so much growth from rookie Naomi Gurma that towards the end of this season, the last several weeks, all we've been talking about is Gurma and how defensively sound she has been. And it, it's it, she got better throughout this year. She grew into her role with the San Diego Wave team as their center back. She grew with confidence in what she was able to do on the pitch. And Casey Stoney get, awarded her for that in this final regular season match because Gurma wore the armband. She was the yeah. captain for this match. And as a rookie, that is, is massive. Um, Rookie of the year candidate and top of the list for me heading into this postseason with Gurma as the captain. And and you look at San Diego and the news that came out uh, right before this match about player availability. It it seemed as though San Diego was going to be without some big, big players, heavy hitters in Abby Dahlkemper, Katie Johnson, Taylor Korniak, Alex Morgan, players that have been namestays for this Mm -hmm. San Diego side. Amir Ali was questionable heading into it. So that uh, put almost more pressure on this match and more pressure on Gurma to not allow any goals to happen because it was going to be a very, very slim margin. As soon as this game started, I could tell it was going to be a one-goal game or a a draw as it came out because of how tight it was. Um, This For North Carolina Courage, they, including the Challenge Club, The Courage played 30 games throughout this season, and they had only been shut out three times, both times against San Diego Wave. 
So I think that is such a fun stat with how many goals North Carolina scored, with how uh, prolific their front line was with Caroline, Dabinia, Ordonez, shut out three times and twice against the Wave. So this result meant that San Diego Wave was going to host a game based on a little bit, uh, a few other results by Houston Dash. But at the end of this, um, it, it was going to be San Diego hosting a playoff game. So not only is an expansion side making the playoffs in their first well, year, but they're also hosting at the end of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I think it's something to, to be celebrated, right? This is, uh, you know, an expansion side, one of the, the first California expansion side to, to come into existence and, and punch their ticket into, into the playoffs and not only do that, but, you know, uh, do it in a, in, a, in a fashion in which they were largely in the upper half of the table for the entirety of their inaugural season. Um, I don't believe San Diego Wave ever fell lower um, at any point in the regular season up until this, you know, final stage of of third of third place. You know, and that is that is absolutely impressive for a first year team. Um, to sort of, you know, go ahead and, and, and do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, enough can't be said about, um, the, the performance of somebody like Guillermo, you know, slotting in and, and being relied upon in, in that aspect. Um, uh, yeah, it's not just rookie for me. I think you can make a, it, Naomi Guillermo has a case for, for rookie of the year, defender of the year and MVP. I think at this point, um, it's just been, um, it's been thrilling to watch sort of her development over the course of, of the regular season. And I'm uh, excited to see what it looks like in a playoff uh, scenario. We will, we will see moving forward, but what the result of this game opened up the window of possibility for some other things down the stretch with the zero zero draw. That meant that Houston had an opportunity to go ahead and get a home playoff game of their own. And along with clinching a playoff spot, and it meant that uh, Chicago Red Stars had a win and in scenario. And mathematically speaking, <laughs> <laughs> math, uh, mathematically speaking, it also meant that Angel City, by mathematical miracles, could also uh, shock the entire globe quite yeah. quickly and uh, get, get uh, a back a back doorway, back window uh, into the... Um, into the playoffs. So, uh, it, it made it, it made things interesting. It made people say, you know what, you're going to have to tune in all, not just on Friday, but all weekend and on Sunday as well. And Sunday, that was the headliner. There were no other games on Sunday. It was Chicago red stars hosting angel city FC and Chicago red stars are back again. Their seventh consecutive NWSL playoff appearance. They do it with a 2-0 win over Angel City. Lisa, I didn't anticipate that this was going to happen. I believe, if memory serves me correct, I believe I had this one as a draw. You did. You had a draw. I had Chicago winning this one. Um, so just, you you know, like I had Chicago yeah. winning this one, and then and then your feelings got in the way. You said I kind of want North Carolina to win. I know. So it's so I'm more just. I love the run that North Carolina went on towards the end of this season. I mean, overall, when you look at a team that that from the first game until the last game, North Carolina was not the best throughout yeah. this year. The fact that they were even in playoff contention is shocking. If you ask me oh that, God, yeah. week, then I'd be like, no way they, they can't turn this around, but a team that wins the challenge cup to then make the playoffs. I don't know. I had, I had bits moments of delusion this weekend. And, and when I was thinking like, wouldn't it be crazy if North Carolina won the challenge cup, then won um, the NWSL championship. And that's when, you know, Lisa has not had enough sleep in the, in the final days of this regular season. Uh, but Chicago angel city, this match really coming down to it. Um, and, and a lot of eyes turned to it because everything laid on this line, right? So if, if angel oh, yeah. city was able to win, that would mean that North Carolina was in the playoffs. All Chicago needed to do their, their fate was in their own hands is win out this game. And they did just that with two zero over angel city, Mallory Pugh getting um, the opening goal in the very, very final minutes of stoppage time of the first half. It's the latest first half goal that's been scored in the NWSL. She does it in the fourth minute of stoppage time throughout that first half. And I almost think if angel city checked out towards the end of that first half, just saying like, okay, let's just make it to half zero, zero at this point, we've got this. And it's Sarah Lubert who just 
cuts in through the middle of Angel City's back line down centrally of their spine. She cuts inside and Pew's just wide open. There's actually like a few other Chicago players open that could have taken this shot, but Pew ends up getting on the end of it and she notches another goal, final one in her regular season career. And then in the second half, um, I mean, Angel City had an opportunity. There was a penalty kick called. In the box, Savannah McCaskill steps up to take it. This was going to be our fifth attempt at a penalty kick all year. She's only made two of them, and it goes off the post. And in that moment, um, I was like, that was it. That was Angel City's chance to tie it up 1-1. And for everyone that's dissing on Alex Morgan for winning the Golden Boot, despite all of her penalty kicks and saying, hey, penalty <laughs> kicks didn't matter. Penalty I've been there. Matter. I've been there and I've thought that before, but when you look at this Angel City game, if Savannah McCaskill scored that penalty kick, everything would have changed in this match. Momentum would have shifted. It would have been a tied game throughout the second half. It would have changed everything. So penalty kicks matter. Alex Morgan winning the golden boot despite having how many penalty kicks she scored this year, it doesn't matter. Penalty kicks matter. Five. Thank you, Sandra. I told you, no sleep over here. It's all, it's all good. No, I, um, no, I'm with you. I, I was, look, I, I went with a draw for a reason. Um, and, and this one, no, we knew going into this, the match, even during the preview, we usually do our previews before there's any availability lists that are dropped. And we knew going into this game that Chicago was not, it was going to be down, not just one, but two starters. Uh, Bianca St. George's was, was a red carded, a straight red card out of their previous match against uh, Portland. Um, a double yellow accumul- uh, accumulation red for for Zoe Morris, and this was two of their their, their players who were going to be unavailable in in this final match day. And uh, while Mallory Pugh was was available, she she did pull up on on a very tough shot that she took in in, in Portland going into this match. So I think there were question marks around her availability or her her form going uh, into this match. And, and quite frankly, you have Red Stars players who have been coming on and off of this injury report throughout the duration of the season, but in particular during this second half of their season. So there were a ton of question marks about the availability of Red Stars players in this game and their overall fitness as well. And how would they be able to go, um, you know, within, within this game. So we saw a ton of players out there with a lot of tape around those uh, lower extremities, Rachel Hill, um, you know, Sarah Lubert, uh, Amanda Kowalski, who ended up having to slot in in light of losing, um, you know, Zoe Morris and and Bianca St. George's. So I I think there were a lot of things, quite frankly, going against the Chicago Red Stars team um, into this match. And and quite frankly, that would also include um, pressure, uh, a different type of pressure that I don't know this team has necessarily ha- been uh, challenged with or faced um, throughout their prior seven <laughs> playoff uh, appearances. Uh, uh, I don't think this this franchise or this these players in particular are unfamiliar with being in a scenario in which uh, a season comes down to the final four yeah. to two weeks, right? That's something they're not unfamiliar with, but something that they were unfamiliar with was literally being on the outside looking into the other uh, the upper half of the table. And I was a little bit curious with um, the response of this team and how that was going to look in a game like this where it, it really meant everything. If they didn't win, they were eliminated effectively. And it was very, um, very cool to sort of listen to players like uh, Alyssa Nair and Vanessa DiBernardo and, and get a chance to chat with them in, in the post game and talking about um, – talking about that about all that and, and Vanessa Di Bernardo saying like yeah it was a little bit of a different uh, you know energy to uh, prepare for a game like this because there are also a ton of young players who are on the team as well and it was a a little bit of a new experience in preparing for this type of scenario altogether uh so to sort of see them go out there and do that um I thought was very exciting I think it made for you know great dramatics I think for the final game of the season in terms of of how things uh, shake out for for the playoffs but you know you have to talk a little bit about maybe how those goals came I mean you we, we had a player advantage for the Red Stars going yeah. into into the half you saw um a very scary collision you know occur uh between uh Jasmine Spencer and her own teammate Megan Reed and Chicago wrestlers Vanessa DiBernardo um, and had to come not not only off the pitch to get treatment, but ultimately was subbed out. So you had an you know 11 v 10 kind of situation take place with this opening goal and um, Sarah Luber just stretching that back line and, and having tons of uh, two different uh, passing lanes, quite frankly, for 
for attackers in the box. And of course you go to your, your team MVP at that point, Mal Pugh, who ended up, um, you know, putting the ball away in the, in the back of the net, which uh, I think if you're a Red Stars fan, you are excited about. Yes, um, yes. Because in this game, not not necessarily the same type of touches that we were seeing from Mallory Pugh in this game that we've maybe seen in in other games. So um, to sort of have, you know, sort of break that deadlock going into the into halftime, I thought was very important. And um, I think you hit it right on the head, Lisa, when you said that not converting that penalty kick allowed um, yeah. the Red Stars to continue to sort of keep their game plan intact. You know, I think if you disrupt a Red Stars team that's kind of going into a game like that, limping a little bit, scoring a goal or scoring an equalizer is going to disrupt things and maybe force them to make adjustments or force um, some type of disruption to their game plan. And I think if you disrupt Chicago's game plan, I think that's sort of where they might um, find themselves kind of faltering a little bit, but that wasn't the case in this one. Uh, unfortunately, Angel City unable to play spoiler in this game and Chicago Red Stars clinch that final six playoff spot. Exciting times in the buildup for the playoff scenarios. But listen, we're going to go through the remainder of these games and talk about our picks and see if we were correct or incorrect because we love to do that on these episodes. But we definitely wanted to give some deeper dives into the games that we felt were the biggest scenarios of the weekend. But we're going to go through the remainder of the matches and the playoff schedule for you all right after a quick break. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. All right, let's go through some of the remainder of these uh, games that took place over the weekend and, and revisit some of our picks. Gotham FC versus Portland Thorns. This one finishes out to a six-goal scoreline, a 3-3 three, three draw. <laughs> Lisa, you kind of you kind of put them on notice. You said, hey, the shield was theirs to lose. 100%. Uh, yeah, they had the lead in this one. Let it go, 3-3 three, three draw. And Gotham, congratulations, not a loss. Congratulations to them. Yeah, that's it's so true. It's kind of funny, but it's so true. Gotham uh, was actually set to end this year as the first team ever in NWSL history to end a regular season without a draw. They end up getting a draw in their very final game against Portland. Um, end up scoring three goals, something that hadn't been done by Gotham this year. Uh, really a, a battle of a match between these two sides because Gotham scores first. They end up getting on the board first, which was... Um, a bit shocking to me as we were watching this game. They were happening simultaneously and during the broadcast for Houston and Washington. Uh, we were being led aware, made aware of what was happening in this Gotham-Portland game because it did affect the Houston-Washington game. And we were giving updates live during the stream for this one. Uh, but so Gotham goes up first in this match and then um, – Portland ends up responding and it's Sophia Smith with a brace before halftime. And at this point I'm like, wow, the golden boot race yeah. is happening because if Smith gets a third, yeah. she'll jump Alex Morgan based on assist. That's the tiebreaker or, or the next factor coming into the golden boot. She ends up only getting a brace in this one only. I say that, uh, but it, the back and forth of it all between this match, I think we saw a new look from Gotham than we've seen all year. And that's, that tends to happen towards the end of the regular season when a team has nothing to lose. They've got everything to play for. They were at home. They wanted to put on a spectacle for their fans, make it worth it for them to come back next year, buy the season ticket holder for the season ticket holders, buy the tickets for next year, put on a show. And that's really what Gotham did against this side. Portland ends up getting another one towards the start of the second half. Morgan Weaver puts in a, a great, 
cross shot that finds the back of the net. It threw Gotham defense off guard completely. And then three minutes later, Purse gets the assist on an Anamano goal to to get back into this for, for Gotham. So the fact that it was 3-1 Portland and then three minutes after their third goal, they concede to Gotham. That's what I mean by it was Portland's game to lose. It was Portland's shield to lose in this match because they went up and ultimately the final goal coming for Gotham from McCall Zerboni on a corner kick around the 75th minute, 74th minute of this match. Um, but I, it's truly exciting to kind of see how this played out and Portland's still stays in the top of the standings. They get second place at the end of this regular season heading into the postseason, and they will get a first-round bye, which is also, like, huge. If you can't win the Shield, at least you get second place and you get a first-round bye. I mean, yeah, I guess that's a that's a way to look at it. I, I would imagine to be positive that, over here. I already told him it was their Shield to lose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would imagine that that's... Again, we're talking about um, results that opened up the window for other teams over the course of the weekend. And and it, it was that zero zero draw between the wave and the curse to sort of open up some opportunity for, for the dash and for the Chicago red stars and, you know, Gotham FC coming from behind, ensuring that they, uh, you know, had the, the draw against, um, against Portland, open up that window of opportunity for, uh, for, for OL rain against uh, Orlando pride. And I think we saw, I don't want to say, I mean, maybe like two different energies in terms of, um, you know, going up against lower half table teams, but there was this perception that like Portland was just going to go and handle their business on the road against um, Portland. And then they did have the lead for a little bit, but Gotham had other, had other plans uh, indeed. And I think just to sort of like kind of close this chapter on, on Gotham a little bit, um, a, a little bit of a different second half, from them Mm -hmm. that we saw. I would even venture to say maybe even a little bit of a different final third of the season um, for the team. A couple of of very narrow score lines there down the stretch, some some 1-0 losses for them. And then this one, a wild six-goal score line, right? Wild. Um, To to sort of uh, close things out. And um, we'll see. We'll see where the team uh, builds uh, for for next year and uh, where they will be in 2023. Portland is headed to the playoffs once more. Uh, they're going to be featured in the semifinals. We also had Spirit versus Houston Dash. These two games kicking off about a, like an hour between each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, two to one in the scoreline in this one. Ah, if memory serves me correct, I think I went with Spirit in this one. Yes, you went with Washington. I went with Houston in this one. Um, Houston needed to win this match outright um, in order to ensure that they would be getting a – they already had clinched the playoffs, but ensure that they would, like, be higher in the standings. Um, And a few other things had to happen in terms of, like, Kansas City, Curran, San Diego in front of them. San Diego tying already helped out Houston because that means they could secure a higher playoff spot heading into it. But this match was back and forth between these two sides I think when uh, we watched Washington two weeks ago they had a lot of player rotation Rodman didn't start Sanchez didn't start Um, they were trying different things at Washington trying for the future trying for uh, just to get other players minutes and time and heading into this one Washington told us that they were going to go out with the best that they had the best 11 they could put on the pitch and that's what we saw because they started with McKeown Sanchez Rodman Hatch um, Sam Stav holding it down in the back line Amber Brooks was back she had set out the last match as well for Washington so this the lineup that was put out there by Washington said hey we're here to to cause chaos to put pressure on Houston and to force them Uh, to do what they need to do in order to get this win. And Houston goes up early, 14th minute. Vigiano gets a a goal from outside the 18-yard box, a huge shot by her, a huge goal by Houston to kind of set the scene. And then uh, Trinity Rodman had a field day on the flank. You could tell she was uh, moving and grooving and feeling herself. Um, Not a lot of support. She was ready to play against England, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. You I, After we get the call-ups from the national team, it's so fun to watch these games yeah. and know that like these players are so fired up for all of it. So Gotham, or yeah, Washington Spirit, 
ends up drawing a penalty kick in the 36th minute, Trinity Rodman, and it's converted by Andy Sullivan. That was just fantastic by her. And then an own goal at the end of it, forced by Nichelle Prince uh, for to give Houston the lead. That was like a heartbreaker, but also like huge for for Houston Dash. They had a lot of good player rotation. We saw players coming in off the bench, um, just making a huge difference, whether it was a Bam or a Losey, Eddie, Brie Sally coming in as well. Like these players changed the game for Houston. And I think it proved that Houston's bench is a lot deeper. If anyone had doubts about that, it's a lot deeper and heading into the postseason, That's a really good trick to have up your sleeve. I love it. I think um, I will say that I think the, uh, of the six teams, I think the, the bottom three compared to the, the the top three are going into the playoffs a little bit more streaky um, mm-hmm. than, than, you know, like I said, the top three versus the versus the bottom three. But this game in particular for Houston, I really, really enjoyed because they 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 look like they're ready to embrace the moment. I mean, we gave a lot of love to San Diego for going on the run that they went in, in this season. And I think you have to look at Houston Dash and sort of, you know, um, you know, give them equal or, or same amount of praise. I mean, they, too, once upon a time were an expansion team and they've taken a little bit of the long way, uh, the, the long road around, let's say, in, in terms of this moment for them. But they're finally here. They finally arrived. They are going to their first NWSL postseason as well. And um, yeah, have not, you know, this is a team that, that didn't do it without their own challenges, right? Uh, coaching changes throughout the season, you know, the departure of one of their franchise players mid-season, you know, and, and Rachel Daly making the jump over to, to Women's Super League. Um, massive mid-season moves uh, and off-season moves, you know, they, they made the move for Maria Sanchez and then mid-season getting... Ebony Salmon in, in, into the mix, and um, it, it's an exciting time for this franchise. And not only are they going to be making their first uh, NWSL uh, postseason appearance, but they're going to be, you know, hosts of, of a quarterfinal match. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what the franchise does with this opportunity, with this moment. I would, I would love to see uh, PNC with a with a big crowd and support for these players and what they've done this season. Um, and uh, it was uh, nice to see them sort of uh, go out there and be able to to capture this moment, quite frankly, by getting a win against the the former NWSL champion. So uh, exciting times for Houston, for sure. Uh, Kansas City. Let's talk about them a little bit. Racing Louisville hosting Kansas City Currents and spoiling. Want to talk about playing spoiler a little bit. Kansas City, again, one of these teams entering the weekend, having an opportunity for the Shield, having an opportunity for a top spot and going on the road and losing 1-0. Not just losing the game, but losing it in stoppage time at the death, quite frankly. Jeff McDonald saying, have a nice postseason. Here's my party gift. (laughs) I love that. I mean, uh, if anyone was going to do that, it was going to be Jessica McDonald at the end of this in the stoppage time. Um, this match had a, a lot of everything heading into it. I think one of the most important things is that Desiree Scott earns a double yellow oh, and ends up getting a red card right before the 80th minute mark. So Kansas City is then playing down a player, but Although yellow card accumulation stops at the end of the regular season, a red card doesn't. Because she got the red card, Kansas City will be without Desiree Scott for their first playoff game. Um, That's really huge. That's really bad for Kansas City. They need Desiree Scott. She's their defensive midfielder. She locks things down. She gets this attack started for them. When Kansas City was going through a lot of player injuries and they needed fill-ins defensively in the back line, out wide, higher in the midfield – they turn to Desiree Scott, Kristen Edmonds, Desiree Scott, Elizabeth Ball. Those are like the fill-ins for Matt Potter. And so now without Desiree Scott moving forward for Kansas City, that's um, it's going to be dangerous. I think that should be a, a circled point on opponents' games heading into this one. But, um, I, of course, it's Jess McDonald. She ends up going on this run. Katie Lund ends up with 112 career saves this year um she she breaks that record she gets 112 on the end of the year it was a tough year for racing louisville for sure uh they end up conceding 35 goals so like the stats not so great on that one but katie lund was uh tried to be the best brick wall in front of the net that she could be while she had incredible players like jess mcdonald scoring late game winner chaos ensuing goals towards the end of it I look. We're we're talking about Katie Lund and in, in in the regular season that that racing 
Louisville had and and she walked away with the record. I think we've been talking about individual, you know, titles for, for the individual uh, on this episode, how, how some of those are starting to come into light, but Lund breaking that save record with a, with 112 goals, although 35 goals against it's, yeah. it's one of those, it's one of those like records that I don't know if goalkeepers are truly excited to earn, you know, yeah, it, it means that there's some problems in, in front of you, quite right. frankly, if you're, reaching these types of numbers and I, I understand mean, I, think, I think in this match with 12 saves against Kansas City like that's what you have to look at like what are the yeah. games that Lund earned shutouts and she was yeah. faced with how many shots and she made 12 saves like okay that's great but like the 35 goals yeah. against I know I, I, yeah I understand like yeah records right celebrate them but there's also like that other side of it where you're just like well if you really talk to some goalkeepers maybe they're like i would love to maybe not have <laughs> those types of uh, of seasons so uh, listen I, I think it was um it was a fun way to watch racing louisville sort of close out their season i know there were a lot of question marks about what this team is going to look like moving forward uh, you know is someone like kim bjorkgren the coach to take actually take this team to the next level and Will he be able to do that with this type of of, of finish for for this team with the personnel that's um you know at, at the on the roster? So uh, we'll we'll see. Um, you know we we saw what that can mean to close out a season with meaningful results and meaningful games for a franchise like the current. We saw them turn around. We'll have to see and stay tuned. That's going to happen for Kansas City. But the last one that we've got to go through and uh, revisit our pick was O.L. Rain versus Orlando Pride. There's Listen, there's going to be a lot of praise for the rain in this one. The Pride, unfortunately, closing out their season not the way they want to do that. Uh, we, At least at one point you thought maybe they'd make it to the playoffs. And I said maybe they would. Maybe they, I said I don't think so, but maybe this team would actually play spoiler. And it turns out yeah. I don't know if they did either of those things quite frankly, uh, because they, they end out their season with a 3-0 loss in this match. O.L. Reign, winners of the Shield, winners of first place, a first round by straight to the semifinals. They're undefeated in their last seven games. This is their third yeah. Shield, their third Shield for this franchise, all under head coach Laura Harvey. You've got players like Rose Lavelle, Jess Fishlock, Megan Rapino, Bethany Balser, I would also include this. All players who are playing very well right now within this seven-game undefeated stretch that they're on into the playoffs. They're looking like a team, like yeah. a number one ranked team. Yeah. I I, th I agree. I think O.L. Reign is uh, – they've made so many strides this year. They started the year uh, putting up so many shots and not able to get goals. Uh, defensively, Fallon Tullis Joy is playing every single minute between the sticks for this Laura Harvey side. I think that's really telling of uh, a first-year player in this league. You know, she's been a professional before, but um, I think Fallon Tullis Joyce had a tremendous year. And the the front line and the forwards and the attacking presence that O.L. Reign showed uh, in these last few weeks, as you mentioned, seven-game winning streak, and then going in against Orlando at home at Lumen Field and really just – Finishing it early, quick, fast, and then closing out this game was truly impressive because around the 30-minute mark is when O.L. Reign scored their third and final goal of this match. And to head into halftime at a 3-0 scoreline, there's still a lot of soccer left to play. If you look at that, 45 minutes is an incredibly long time. It's an eternity if you're the winning team and you need to maintain this lead keep the shutout, but you also want to keep the ball and keep attacking and putting pressure on your opponents. And then on the flip side for Orlando heading in, knowing that you're down three goals, this is an eternity. You can have hope. You can say, Hey, let's get one. It starts with one. Let's get shots on goal. But you can also say, man, I hope the, the opponents slow down. So the second half was much slower in terms of <laughs> goal production, but I think it's really uh, crucial to see uh, Jordan Haitema get assist against the Megan Rapino opening goal in the eighth minute. And then Haitema ends up getting a goal of her own in the 24th minute. And then Bethany Balser closing out at the end of it. So heading into this one, Meg Rapino and Balser were tied at six goals and they both ended up scoring in this one. So they, they both... Her. They both tie for first for most goals this year for O.L. Reign at seven Teammates. goals. I love it. Teammates. Camaraderie. 
Yeah. was like, wait, Pino got one? Okay, I need one now. Fishlock sets it up perfectly. Um, a little flick into the box from Balser. This was a really fun opening 35 minutes yeah. to watch, see OL Rain get in their groove. And then yeah. from, from there on out, it was definitely slower. But um, heck of a way to end the year for OL Rain and a way to start playoffs for them, for sure. I, I love that this was a game that uh, had, had kicked off later in the evening. So you're talking about two different uh, start times for that Jersey game and Portland game and then OL rain versus the pride. So by the time, uh, you know, you saw the rain kick off, they had, they knew, they knew that they had that window of opportunity and uh, you love to sort of see the energy and, and uh, the enthusiasm for, for earning that title. But uh, that, that, that's a wrap. The playoffs are set one through six are in order. Number one and number two, all rain and Portland thorns respectively. They both have, Playoff buys, first round buys straight to the semifinals. You have at number three and number four, San Diego Wave FC and Houston Dash, respectively. They will each host a quarterfinal home game against Kansas City and Chicago Red Stars. Kansas City headed to Houston. Chicago will head to San Diego. If you're joining us live, you can see this very cool graphic where we're breaking down the bracket for you all. This is the road to the NWSL championship final you either have to go through Oil Rain or Portland Thorns to, to get Ooh, a spot. Sounds nice. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to be two quarterfinal matches that will take place on October the 16th. Houston Dash hosting Kansas City at 5 p.m. Eastern on Paramount Plus. And San Diego Wave FC will host Chicago Red Stars at 10 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. Setting up the stage for the semifinals, which will take place on October 23rd. Portland Thorns will host the winner of San Diego and Chicago Red Stars. And Oil Rain will host the winner of Houston and Kansas City. Those two semifinals, Portland will host at 5 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. And Oil Rain will host at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports Network. It's a wrap. We'll be back to chat about so much more. We know that things are actually just getting started right now for NWSL. The playoffs are here. We're going to be with you all along the way. Thank you all so much for joining us and listening to Attacking Third. Please download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can leave us a five-star rating and review on any of those platforms. It really helps us here at Attacking Third. You can watch us, too. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube to know whenever we go live. And we'll be back Tuesday with more. We've got special interviews, United States Women's National Team friendlies, and so much more coming in the pipeline. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.